Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1. Well, to some of you who have not listened to our show, I don't know what to say. You're going to learn something like you learn every week. But every week we have a show called Ask Brian. We either teach something about business to people. Like a couple of weeks ago, we, had, we were teaching people about SEO, search engine optimization. Sometimes we'll have a founder of a company. Today, we actually have a founder of a company. They can tell you how easy it was to, in quotes, to start a company and make, make something happen. <laughs> the reality is never easy. And we're going to learn all about that. But without any further ado, we're going to ask, why is Ask Brian spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? I'm not Irish. My name is not O'Brien. So it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the pub down the street, O'Brien. Although I have gone to O'Brien's pub quite a bit. Now, Tracy, please help the audience, my glorious co-host. Please explain to the audience why we have an E in Ask Brian, not an A or Y-N or why it's spelled E-N. Well, one of the things that you said that I think we should just kick off with, because it's probably one of the most important things other than the engineer uh, oh, is educated. <laughs> you, were, you were educated and you weren't not to miss that. Good one. <laughs> yes. I learned from the tough knocks and uh, yeah, so I got that down now. But in all seriousness, yes, thank you to our awesome engineer, but also we're all about education and you mentioned that and education is so important, especially when you're starting a business. If we can help you shortcut that learning curve and help remove some of those pain points. That's why we're here. That's a good reason. The other reason is we couldn't have such fantastic education if we didn't interview such amazing experts. So everybody that is a guest on the Ask Brian radio show and podcast is an expert. And we even have the mathematical formula to go along with what determines you as a, it's not a formula, it's an a logarithm. It's an logarithm. <laughs> oh, it's an logarithm. Is that even... <laughs> <laughs> well, especially to a software guy like this, he'll so, so understand and appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just going to call it a mathematical formula, but you can call it whatever you want. Because I'm the one that has to do the math. So let's do that. So we typically, an expert is defined as working... 10,000 hours based on working 40 hours a week, an average of 50 weeks a year would take you approximately five years. However, you and I, and I'm sure our guest knows that nobody's working 40 hours a week if they're starting a business or running a business likely. Hopefully they are by a certain period of time, but especially not at the beginning. So we think you could probably knock that out in about three years on the entrepreneurial scale. So experts, engineer, education, and that creates for us a lot of something that you really like a lot, which is not empathy, although we do have a lot of empathy. You like a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's always very exciting here on the Ask Brian Radio Show. 
And enthusiasm, excitement, and of course I did glad empathy in there because we do have empathy for all of you listeners who are struggling out there and wanting to make a go of it. And that's why we're here is to help that well, happen more efficiently for you. Don't forget about the empathy that we have to have for our guest who just had his ears blown out by my screaming into the phone. But that's okay. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny because I used to really have to protect my ears, but I'm so used to it now that I don't even notice it. That's kind of scary. But yes, it is mind-blowing and eardrum-blowing. That's for sure. (laughs) So would you like to tee up my favorite E, or do you want to mention some more E's? Well, just remember, and I think it's all included in what you said, you know, experience does count. And if you have a lot of experience, certainly can cut down the chain. Obviously, we have entrepreneurs, which you've mentioned, but entrepreneurs is also one of the biggies. But I'm going to say your favorite one is Grease Lightning. Because without it, hands down, we are electrifying. (laughs) Never gets old. It just never gets old. Well, after Sam speaks to his superiors and says, what did you get me into? Sam, are you there? I'm here. All right. So that's a little pick-me-up to kind of get people flowing. And by the way, we should have another E, energy. You need a lot of energy. All right. Sam, so you have a company. It's called GeoJam. So first of all, I haven't heard of that. I don't know if Tracy has, and I don't know what the audience knows about. So what is GeoJam? Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. It's a wonderful opportunity. And Tracy, to go on what you said, 40 hours a week, I don't even know what that's like. You know, I think one of my favorite things about entrepreneurs is that we get to choose which 80 hours a week we work. And I think that that would hit home right? for a lot of the listeners. <laughs> I think that would hit home <laughs> for a lot of the listeners, you know, that are thinking about starting their own business and starting their own business. You know, entrepreneurship is a way of life. It's not a career. You know, some people are cut out for it, some people are not. And, you know, always, uh, and I think one of the biggest things in entrepreneurship is always being able to pay it forward. And I'm very excited to be here with you guys today and hopefully impart some wisdom and, you know, tell everybody about what we're building, what we're doing. So GeoJam is a social platform powered by AI, artificial intelligence, and it's a big buzzword these days. And we make it easy for everyone to share and earn together. So what happens is every day, GeoJam presents you with an AI-generated prompt tailored to bring out your most authentic self and bring everyone closer together. Users can only see others' replies once they have replied themselves. And so pretty much our vision is simple. We've created a space where users can genuinely connect with friends, creators, and the communities they love in a social setting. So how do you differentiate yourself from other social networks? I mean, can't you do some of these same things on other social networks? Can't you do that on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the existing social networks that are out in the, in the universe that we've all been using for the better part of a decade now are amazing. And, you know, they're not going anywhere, right? TikTok is phenomenal at long-form content and, um, you know, Snapchat for, you know, quick uh, communication messaging and LinkedIn, obviously, for professional purposes. And so what we realized, there's, there's a rule in social media. It's called the 90-91 rule. So it's basically 1% of people in the world that are on social media create content. 9% of people will engage and comment like with that content. And the other 90% are what we like to call, you know, lurkers or doom scrollers, right? Where you're just constantly, you know, just consuming the content, but you're not engaging and you're not interacting with it in any way. And what we realized is that the reason that people do that is because social media could be a pretty scary place. You know, it takes a lot of thought into what people, you know, what you want to post and what you want to kind of put out to the world on a daily basis. And what we're trying to do is take the guesswork and the anxiety out of that 
with the artificial intelligence and machine learning that we have built, it basically it prompts you um, on a daily basis and asks you a question, and the whole world gets asked the same question no matter where you are at the same time. Very similar to Be Real, but if you guys are familiar with that, but with a lot more functionality. And so the daily prompt will come and come through at a different time every single day, and you answer the question. You can't see everyone else's responses until you answer yourself, so it kind of makes it more gamified. And, you know, ultimately, and we'll discuss this a little more, we are essentially looking and we're working to build the artificial intelligence to be powerful enough to essentially be able to tell you what to post based on your engagement and your interaction on your, all of your other platforms. So you get those, what we, as we call vanity metrics, those likes, comments, shares, you know, views up, you know, in, in a great way. Okay. And you mentioned artificial intelligence. So is it the artificial intelligence is coming up with a daily phrase or is it something, or, or, is it, or are you creating it? Uh, no, so the artificial intelligence is what's actually doing that. So if, if there's a lot of listeners might be familiar with a company called OpenAI or ChatGPT that's, you know, kind of come to the forefront here probably since the beginning of the year where, you know, it's basically artificial intelligence that'll, it's almost like Google, right? Like you can help it, you can help you write a paper for school or if you have a question you're trying to kind of problem solve or if you're trying to, it can do a lot of different things, but that is an open source um, artificial intelligence. What we have done is we built our own proprietary artificial intelligence. That is a closed loop system. And the way the system works is that it scrubs all of the social, you know, it scrubs Google, TikTok, Twitter, you know, all the major places where people search for things and anything that's trending on a daily basis um, is what it kind of, it, that's how it comes up with the prompt, right? So the AI does all the thinking and takes all the guesswork out of it for you. So if you're doing that on a daily basis, I mean, is it going through the entire day and looking for the last 24 hours? And that's how it's determining what the, what is the trending thing for that day. How are they determining what's the trending thing? Is it based over a 24-hour period, 12-hour period? So it's on a rolling basis. The way our AI does it is it scrubs the Internet once an hour right now. That's how we have it set. And really, whether it's current events, whether it's politics, whether it's weather, you know, it will kind of prompt people accordingly. We launched this version of the application. Um, it went live about 40 days ago. So we've been live for a little bit over a month, and as we're con- going to continue to roll out um, app updates and new feature updates, one of the big things that we're going to do is geolocation, right? So, you know, whether you're in L.A. or New York, or maybe you're in London, maybe you're in Japan, you know, there's a lot of different things, you know, socially and, you know, weather-wise, current events, things that are happening. Our AI will know, based on where you are in the world, kind of how to prompt you and what to prompt you with. So it's a new wave of social media. It's short-form content. We're not looking for people to spend hours a day scrolling on our platform. But what we are looking to do is take the guesswork out of posting and, and empower much more people and kind of flip that rule that's been existing in social media kind of since day one and make a lot more people kind of make the, the masses the creators, if you will, is the best way to say it. So before being a founder of GeoJam, what, what was your background? So before I founded GeoJam a few years ago with my co-founder, Sarah, I had my own live event production company. So I used to produce music festivals, comedy festivals, and large-scale live events. We had, uh, you know, 10 pole events around the country. So it was South by Southwest and Art Basel, Miami, uh, Sundance Film Festival. And so I've been very deep in the entertainment media space for a long time. And prior to that, I was the co-founder of a company called Launch House in Cleveland, Ohio. I used to live in the Midwest before moving out west here to L.A. a few years ago. And we were a business accelerator, basically a co-working space. And we kind of took the uh, tech stars and Y Combinator model and, you know, brought it to the Midwest you know, by really investing in entrepreneurs and in ideas and, and, you know, mentoring them. So I've been working with startups and entrepreneurs for well over a decade at this point. And I'm very passionate about the creation process. 
and really kind of seeing things, you know, from the idea on a napkin that, you know, an entrepreneur might have to a successful business, hopefully one day. Well, that must have been quite a change going from the accelerator and then going off and working for somebody because I would think that, you know, you've got your own, many people that are starting out their own companies, they have that independent streak and it's kind of hard to mesh in with the corporate people. So how did you, how did that affect you? I actually didn't go in the corporate world. I started my own live event production company. So from Launch House, oh, once we, once we started, yep, it was my company. From Launch House, I kind of used all the connections and a lot of the connections that I got and, and really kind of pursued my passion in live events and working with, you know, entertainers and artists and technology. And GeoJam is really kind of the melding of everything that I've ever done and wanted to do. You know, is build this game, game-changing technology to kind of help the world and change the world and work with amazing people along the way. So here we are, living the entrepreneurial dream. And how did you meet your, is it more than one co-founder? Is it just you and Sarah? Or um, so Sarah and I actually met, yeah, so there's two, I have two co-founders. Sarah and I originally started the company together. We met back in 2017 uh, in Miami. It was actually at an event during Miami Music Week. I was, uh, I still had my live event production company, so I was, I was down there for work. And Sarah had her own uh, sponsorship and marketing agency at the time. And, you know, we met and got to talking and started talking about, you know, entrepreneurship and kind of what our dreams were. And she kind of presented me, I remember it was our first conversation that we ever had. She said, what do you think about a concept like this? And, you know, a rough outline of kind of what GeoJam, you know, would one day become. And I said, I think that's pretty cool. And, you know, we launched, the, we kicked off a great friendship there and we started working together. She started doing all the sponsorships for my events. And probably about a year and a half later that we decided to take this journey together. So was there another co-founder besides you, sir? Yeah. So Justin's our third co-founder. He kind of came in at this point, it's been three years since he kind of came in with us and you know, again, mutual friends and, and somebody who, you know, he, he was a very interesting case. He had a very successful career uh, working for a Fortune 500 company. And once the pandemic hit and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people had their kind of lives turned around and, um, you know, he was laid off at the time and, you know, was trying to figure out what was next and, you know, kind of came, came out to LA to visit us for a week and never really left. And so <laughs> it's been, been an amazing, amazing journey together since then. Wow. And then so it took you this long, though, to launch, right? Almost two or three years. So once you launch, I can only imagine it must be really, really hard in the beginning to get people to come to something brand new. I mean, unless you have, you know, tons and tons of money to market and advertise, it's got to be really, really hard in the beginning. So as you've only been around for 40 days, I wouldn't expect that much traction. Although, you know, I have heard stories like Mozilla Firefox came out and they had, you know, tons of users, right? But that's a rarity and an exception. So I'll give you... For sure. So I can give you some context around that, actually. So the original version of our application actually launched during the pandemic in October of 2020, because our original vision for the company was to have a social media for music platform. And the way that platform worked was you kind of signed in with your Spotify premium or your Apple Music, um, and you're able to basically do anything you could do on other social networks in terms of sharing, commenting, liking, but it was all around music. And it was shortly after we launched during that time. And this is, and maybe I'll take another kind of step in our journey. When I first met Sarah, she was, like I said, back in 2017, she was already really into the crypto space, which was very, very nascent back then. And she just kind of saw the power in crypto and the power in the blockchain and what could be. And I remember one of our first conversations, she was talking about this and she said, it would be really cool to build a platform like this on the blockchain. But as we kind of, you know, went down the journey together back in 2018 and we started talking about doing this, it was still, you know, kind of in its infancy in terms of the public eye. And what we decided to do was really kind of go fundraise, you know, the traditional way and launch a product with the goal of one day potentially, you know, kind of switching this whole thing over. And so we launched in October of 2020, and by the beginning, probably about March of 2021, 
when we realized, you know, as crypto was really kind of picking up and we said, you know what, maybe this is really the right time to kind of, you know, jump on and jump on this wave because it's something we had been thinking about. So we decided to write our white paper kind of detailing and a white paper for anybody who doesn't know is basically a business plan, a public facing business plan for, you know, crypto. And crypto is a very interesting world where normally you would never put your, unless you're, unless you're a publicly traded company, you would never put your business plan out for the public to see because you're just afraid that somebody might copy your ideas or everything that you do. But in the crypto world, everything is all about transparency. And so when you write your white paper, which ours ended up being about 50 pages of our thoughts of what, you know, the social network could be that we, could, that we wanted to build, and we released it and we did a token presale. And then in uh, November of this past year, we launched this version two of our application, which was on the blockchain. And we kind of, we, we made a very interesting entrepreneurial mistake of, you know, we took our white paper and we said, all right, we have all these amazing thoughts. Let's build an application and put an app into the world that says everything, that does everything we said, you know, everything in our minds and in our dreams. But the problem was the kind of where we came short on that idea was that it was, it did too much at once. And it was kind of hard for people to really grasp and understand all the different levels of functionality, right? And so we realized that really quickly. And so we went back to the drawing board right at the beginning of this year and said, okay, what is the feature that people are using the most, like the most, engaging the most with on this platform? And we built the newest version of our app, which is our version 3.0. So we've released three products into the market. So we pulled the other app out of the app store and as soon as this one was ready. And we released the current one about 40 days ago. And I think we, we guessed, you know, we didn't guess, right? We used, we kind of used our smarts and our data analytics really well because this app has gotten the most traction, the most user retention. We've gotten a great amount of downloads in a very short amount of time. And actually the other platform that we released in November, we kind of took it out. Like I said, we, we took it out of the app store. Um, and it's, we've been working on it for the last couple of months and it's being re-released back into the app store next week under the name Community by GeoJam. And it's going to be a lot more community centric app with a lot more crypto and token functionality behind it as well. So we're so as of next week, we're going to have two products live in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store in 158 countries around the world. That's amazing. And take it away, Tracy. <laughs> well, thank you, Peter. Okay, before the break, you were talking about your trajectory of, of um, how you launched your different products along the way. One question for clarification is, so are you on separate websites right now? Are you merging them all together? How do the products function? Do they function collaboratively or independently? So everything is under one umbrella. It's, on, it's under one website. It would be geojam.com where you can learn about both products and both applications. For right now, they're going to live separately because they're kind of slightly different um, focus, whereas the one right now that's in the App Store is more AI-driven and focused, and the other one is going to be much more community and people-driven. But ultimately, our goal is to combine everything together. And so that is where we're going to be working to get to, hopefully over the next year or so. Great. And one of the things that I wanted to circle back to that you mentioned when you were telling this part of the story was that you, and I, I loved how you said entrepreneurial mistakes. And I know there's, I don't really love the term fail fast, but because I don't really like the term fail, because I think we can learn so much from our mistakes. But I'd like you to expound a little bit more on how, I mean, to me, it's just incredibly important how an entrepreneur's journey, if you fail fast, if you recognize your mistakes and you move on, that actually can be a good thing. Can you share a little bit about that part of your experience? Absolutely, Tracy. So, you know, I, I say this to a lot of entrepreneurs that I mentor and that I talk to. You know, one of the marks of a good entrepreneur and somebody who can really hopefully be successful one day is the ability to pivot fast, you know, and to really kind of understand where you might have made mistakes, quote unquote, along the way, 
And there's no shame and there's no embarrassment in that. And sometimes you just have to look at what the data provides you. You know, we are a data, uh, we're a software company, right? And so we're, we built an application and the numbers don't lie. And it tells us exactly, you know, who's using it, when, how, for how long. You know, we have, you know, thousands of different data points that we can kind of inspect and look at. And so for us, kind of as I was talking before the break, is in November, once we launched this application, we saw right away that people were, were you know, having a bit of a difficult time grasping it and understanding everything that it should do. And we realized, I think we gave people, you know, a little bit too much credit or maybe it was just a little too much from our own brain kind of spit out into a native application. So that took, that took quite some time. There's one other thing to note is that our applications are both applications that are going to be in the App Store and Play Store are both native applications. So they were built specifically for Apple and Android devices, which allows for a lot of functionality. There's a third type of application that, you know, called the web app, right, where you can go to Safari or Chrome for your, from your phone and basically call up a website, and it kind of functions as an app, but it does not have nearly the amount of functionality or usability, if you will, as native applications do, although they are much easier to build. <laughs> so native <laughs> applications take a lot, of t- a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of you know, resources, but it's really worth it once you do the finished product. And when you were walking through your, the, you and your two co-founders' background experiences, so, you know, a lot of lab entertainment, a lot of sponsorship marketing sales, a lot of Fortune 500 corporation experience, but I didn't hear anything about tech experience. So when you're talking about this level of native apps and building out this technology and all the things that go along with it, did you have to identify and bring in a team for that? So, you know, for myself, I, I did have some tech, I did have a bit of a tech background um, in the sense that I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that I was a co-founder in an accelerator um, and I've worked with a lot of different tech companies. That's so something I've learned over the years. But Sarah is actually a designer. She is a front-end uh, developer and designer. So a lot of the initial designs for the application, you know, came from her mind and her brain kind of on us working on it collaboratively. And Justin, our third co-founder, who he now leads our tech team, he went from like that Fortune 500 sales and, you know, uh, an executive position there. And it's something that, you know, you just kind of immerse yourself in and you learn. You know, I think that at startups, obviously, we have, you know, we don't, funding, funding is always at a premium and, and, you know, time is, is obviously the most valuable thing that we have. And I'm here in people's entrepreneurial journey. You find yourself learning a lot of things, teaching yourself a lot of things along the way that you thought that you might never know or never do. Um, and it's also a really gratifying part of the experience as well. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, just, you have to wear a lot of hats in a lot of different areas. And then you have three different people wearing three different types of hats and changing hats. And so one of the things that we always like to talk about with companies that have multiple co-founders is the delineation of roles and responsibilities. And you were mentioning that one of your co-founders heads up the tech team. How did the three of you come together and delineate whose roles were going to be what in order to keep things operating smoothly? So and it's a great question, and I, and I think that this is another you know another learning part um, that a lot of entrepreneurs, potentially or you know aspiring entrepreneurs, can can listen to and learn from. Is that you know I've noticed in a lot of times because I, I've worked with a lot of different startups and, and mentor teams and invested in companies myself that the startups that succeed are there are startups that have co-founders with different kind of skill sets and talents. If you have too many you know too many people with the same kind of whether it's a tech background or whether it's an operations background or you know anything like that. You, there seems to be a lot of butting heads along the way. Why I think myself and my co-founders work so well together is that we're very different people and our brains are wired very differently. Sarah is an incredible visionary. She's our CEO. She's a brilliant designer. She just has this creativity that, that oozes out of her. And me, on the opposite side of it, I do have creativity as well, but I'm an operations and logistics mm-hmm. person, right? I'm the person that makes the business run 
and really understands everything that needs to happen, you know, for a business to run successfully. And Justin, with his sales background, um, is great with people, and, and he really understands, you know, kind of processes. And that's where, you know, technology and, and, and leading a tech team and leading engineers is all about the process and, and kind of the steps that you take through it. So we have, a, you know, we're, we're all, I'd say, very talented people, and, and the team that we have built around us is very talented as well. But we as founders have different areas that we're very good at, and that's what helps us, you know, really helps drive us to be successful ultimately. What makes up your team? Because you obviously have three really strong co-founders with really strong backgrounds wearing a lot of different hats. Who else makes up your team right now? So we have a full-time, we have four full-time engineers that are working right now. So we have two front-end and two back-end engineers. We have an in-house uh, graphic designer who's one of the most talented kids, you know, that, I, that I've met in, in quite some time. And, you know, it's so important because there's so much app design and so much depth and creativity, so many decks and so much creativity that goes into that. We also have a finance, um, a, kind of our token, you know, in regards to our jam token. We have a token and finance manager as well that helps us, you know, keep all that stuff straight. And then we also have a community manager who's responsible for everything kind of that happens in the world of our, in the world of GeoJam, right? In the world of our app and our socials and things like that. So we definitely have a very, very diverse team. It is, you know, I would like to point out as well that, you know, kind of as market conditions dictate and, and you know, I think, again, the mark of a successful entrepreneur is, is being able to really understand and, and see what's happening in the world around them. You know, at the end of last year, we saw that the market was turning for the worst, and we had to make some really hard decisions to, um, to cut some people on our team that were, you know, they were obviously they were key and vital to our success, but at the same time, you know, the company has to go first, right, ultimately. And so we made some of those changes, and honestly, I think they were some of the best changes that we've ever made because the team that we had left, you know, just worked, has worked that much harder, has worked that much more harmoniously together, and we all kind of had to step out of our comfort zone to really do things that we might not have been not might have not have thought that we were the best at, but everyone is really excelling at their roles. So extremely proud of our team and, and hoping, you know, as the, as the market conditions hopefully start to get better, we'll be able to scale up here again very soon. Tracy, you had some more questions. and I don't want to take up all your time, so go ahead. Oh, yes. Well, I, I wanted to, speaking of pivot, I wanted to pivot a little bit your audience growth strategy. And when, I, you know, I happen to have a little bit of behind the scenes knowledge around this, but I'd love for you to share with our audience. It sounds like not only do you, have you built an amazing team, which you were talking about before the sponsor mentioned, but also you have a, a really amazing, almost celebrity uh, level investors and other support coming to your program, right? Like your platform. So let's talk about, I mean, that's kind of like a dreamless cadaver kind of situation. How, how did that come about? <laughs> and so, you know, when we, when we started talking about building a social platform, and like I mentioned earlier, it was originally around music. What we wanted to do was bring in a lot of musicians and, you know, musical celebrities to kind of help push the platform. So we were able to, you know, get to a number of folks kind of with my background, Sarah's background, all of our experience. And so we have, we have a lot of big name celebrities that are investors and partners in our company, including Mariah Carey. Um, I don't know, I'm sure most of the listeners know who she is. Um, she is, you know, she has <laughs> 19, 19 number one singles, 19 billboard number one singles, second only to the Beatles, who have 20 um, in her career. So, you know, she's, she's just one of the most brilliant and creative women I have ever had the pleasure to work with. And, She's just, she's fantastic. Uh, we have a lot of other celebrities on board. We have Machine Gun Kelly. We have Tyga. We have Nigel Houston, who is a professional, four-time world champion, a professional skateboarder. We have, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. So we have, you know, at this point, we have musical, like, you know, musical superstars and celebrities. Uh, we have athletes. We have YouTubers. We have Instagrammers. 
you know, we've really kind of built out this advisory committee from these celebrities in their own kind of areas. And it's really helped us as we've gone through the building process, you know, in terms of visualizing what the application should look like and, and the functionality behind it, but as well as marketing and promoting it. So a lot of times you'll hear, and this is an interesting thing I think to dig into because the influencer market is so huge, brands aligning with influencers and celebrities, which is very strong, very smart marketing strategy. But how has that actually turned into actual conversions for you? Like, is it, has it been more about brand awareness and getting the word out there or, and, or has it actually, can you track that it's actually helped with conversions to users to the platform? So that, Tracy, I can't tell you how much I love this question because this is something that I talk about all the time. The answer to your question is it's really helped us in both brand awareness and conversions, but the conversions, not as much as we had originally thought. And so that's, a, that's another really interesting kind of teaching point here, a learning point for entrepreneurs is that, you know, you may have some of the biggest celebrities in the world. I mean, our, our celebrity advisory board has, you know, over a half a billion combined followers. But, you know, in today's day and age, unfortunately, with algorithms as they work on, you know, the other big social platforms and people seeing content and those actually converting, that wasn't as strong of a driver as we had initially anticipated. Influencer marketing is one of those things that influencers and brands, you know, because of the new restrictions on, on Instagram and TikTok, where, you know, if anybody is endorsing a brand and they're getting paid for it, they legally have to put on there, this is a paid advertisement or a paid promo. They have to put the hashtag in. They have to, you know, mention that in their promotion. You know, a lot of fans and a lot of, you know, just common users don't take that as seriously. You know, through our research and our data, user-generated data is 9.8% more effective than, you know, any influencers or celebrities. So you are much more likely, you know, Tracy, if you go home and you tell your family, hey, I spoke to Sam, um, he's got this company, Geojam, it's really cool, you guys should download it and check it out. That will resonate and ring a lot louder with people as opposed to them going onto a social platform, Instagram or anywhere else and seeing, you know, Mariah Carey saying, hey, I'm a partner in Geojam. Yes, that does work. But unfortunately, um, in, in today's day and age, it's not as effective as it used to be. So that should not be the primary, you know, growth or marketing strategy for anybody kind of looking to be in this space. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people really underestimate or, or they overestimate the value in terms of what it'll do to the bottom line. But of course, from a brand awareness perspective, it is still a really strong strategy as well. So that's really smart. And even with the growth of like building an audience with podcasting, I mean, the, the biggest way shows grow are through refer, you know, people referring shows and telling their friends and family that they like shows. So that doesn't surprise me that that's the case. But it's, I think it's something people should talk about more. Because I think it's where you put your emphasis, right? Like, are you going to put your emphasis on audience growth through these strategic partnerships? Or are you going to try to have more marketing through other channels? Yeah, so we have so much information I still want to cover. But I, I want to hit this so we don't run out of time. And that is about the affiliation and the alignment with the cryptocurrency and what does that mean for you, for your product, for your growth, and how does that tie in? Yeah, so you know, the original platform that I mentioned to you guys, the first platform that we ever uh, launched with, had a re- the, music, the social music platform had a rewards-based economy. So everything that you would do, you would earn points, kind of like you know American Express points or Delta points. Um, and you can exchange those points for products, merchandise, or experiences um, in our jam shop. And we've done anything from flying a private jet with Mariah Carey to be on a billboard with Machine Gun Kelly here in Los Angeles. Like, we've done some huge once-in-a-lifetime fan experiences. But what we realized pretty quickly as we were kind of transitioning over to the blockchain and why crypto was the answer for us, because we wanted to have the, our token 
is the utility that, plot, that, that really powers the entire platform. So you can earn it. You can propose things for your friends to do. And there's a lot of different ways to earn the Jam token. And again, you can have that Jam token that you can now exchange for you know, products, merchandise, or experiences from your favorite celebrities. But now, instead of the points, which have no inherent value, this is an actual currency that has a value to it. So the celebrities and the athletes and the influencers and everybody that's doing these experiences is getting rewarded in return as well. And so it's really kind of, it, it makes our whole economy go on the GeoJam, you know, in the GeoJam world, in the GeoJam universe. And it, our token is called Jam, and, it, and it's, it's traded on four of the top 10 uh, centralized exchanges in the world. So we're pretty easy to find. That's so cool. And we could probably do a whole another show just on crypto and yep. what that means <laughs> and how that's <laughs> going So we'll that. say, we will save that to have you back to next time. But in the meantime, if people want to, and I know they will, want to um, continue this conversation, get in Dave and GeoJam, um, connect with you, probably ask you multiple more mentor questions because you've been so generous with your knowledge and your expertise. What is the best way for our audience to connect with you? So our socials are GeoJam official across every single platform, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find us, GeoJam, at GeoJam official. And my personal socials across all platforms is GeoJam Sam. So G-E-O-J-A-M Sam. Pretty simple, right? You got a nice <laughs> little ring to it. So I'm pretty easy to that. find. Feel free to, feel free to DM me, drop me a follow. I will always do my best to reply in a timely manner. And, and as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I think mentoring, and paying it forward is the best thing that any entrepreneur could do. So I'm always happy to help anybody that I can. And I'm very grateful for you guys having me on today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, you heard it Thank right you. here from GeoJam Sam. And if you want to get in touch with GeoJam Sam, but you didn't write it down, yeah, I'm going to say that like as many times as I can before we end. You want to <laughs> go, you want to go to our podcast. You want to download it. You want to follow it. And that's, is available to you wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. And the podcast, in case you don't know, but you want to know, is Ask Brian. That is the Ask Brian podcast, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. Search for it, follow it, and definitely go back and listen to this episode because there's, it was just chunk full of really good value bombs. And thank you, Jim, Jam Sam. Of course. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. You're listening to the S. Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Over and up. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.